Awesome. Okay, so we are live for another Chat and Learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella, and I'm super, super excited to dive into this next hour with you all. I had a chance to speak with our, our guest speaker offline uh, and then our early joiners as well. Um, and I'm super excited to learn with you all and learn from her. Um, if you are just joining us, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. We know that you know the world is really upside down these days. Uh, so, you know, by you taking this hour to join us live really, really speaks volume of the power of digital community. Um, so uh, if you're just joining us and you haven't already, please write in the chat box where you're calling from uh, so that we can give you a shout out uh, here in just a second. And then go ahead and let us know anything that you want our guest speaker to keep in mind as we're walking through your questions that you all have submitted offline so that she can really dive in here deep. Um, and with that said, I'll just go ahead and, and talk about some of our housekeeping rules here. Um, I've muted everyone upon entrance just to avoid any background noise, but I will sound like a broken record by the end of this chat. I want everyone to feel free to turn your cameras on, uh, take yourself off of mute and share your voice. Um, you know, this is not meant to be something you just watch on YouTube and have someone speaking at you. We're here live. Let's take advantage of, of this good knowledge that we're sharing together. Um, and if anyone wants to keep anything anonymous, please feel free to message me privately. So you'll find me under Mariella here in the chat box. Um, and then I will flag that to our guest speaker so that she can you know, uh, approach your, your, um, your question or give you feedback and keep you anonymous there. And the last thing I'll say is that this is being recorded. So I know we live in a world where everyone loves to multitask, but I really invite you to be present with us today. Um, and then you can watch the, uh, the video on Power to Fly a little later and, and go ahead and take notes there. Um, so again, I don't want to take too much time because we've got a lot of uh, really good conversations, really great questions that you all have submitted offline. I'm going to pass the mic to our guest speaker. Kara, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and what you're excited to share with us today. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Mariella, for having me. Thank you to Nicole for making this happen and Power to Fly, of course, for, for having me as a guest speaker. I am a uh, recovered journalist, I joke, um, turned comedian and uh, speaker, but I, I did do a stint in corporate America in HR. And um, my passion is was to marry my my my, my passion with my purpose, which is, is um, getting people to think on a deeper level about certain things, but also incorporating that humor because I think life is too short to be sad and miserable. I've got a wonderful husband and two little girls and a great mom and dad who's watching. Uh, and and I, you know, I said I was raised in Texas, but I grew up in New York City and I think of that as home. Um, but I'm in Texas at the moment. And, and my latest accomplishment is writing the book. You can be perfect or you can be happy because that was just, it was weighing on my mind for years and I had to get it out. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. I know we're going to learn more about you as we get into some of these awesome questions. Um, and I see that you also have some great things to share with us regarding your book. Um, and you have a little excerpt that we're going to get into in a minute. Do you want to go onto that slide as well? Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. So how can we find your book? Let's just start there. Well, so you, you got can Kindle find my here. book on Amazon, which, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that's not in other stores at the moment, but considering that a lot of us are inside and self-quarantining, at least you can order it and get it delivered right to your door, or you can get it downloaded to your Kindle. So it's available in two different versions, Kindle, as well as physical copy. Awesome. Perfect. Okay, so let's jump into uh, this awesome excerpt that you uh, have on your website, I'm assuming, and also maybe you're featuring in the book. Can you walk us through how you want us to engage in this? Sure. So it's not on my site, but it is part of my, uh, my coaching program that I offer. And, you know, a lot of people think that there's something wrong with them, when in reality, they're just perfectionists that didn't even know it. So how do you know if you're a perfectionist or not? So I came up with this little quiz. And I'll, we'll just go through the questions, you know, briefly. And again, you know, if you want to comment in the chat that something resonates with you deeply or even like service level that you're like oh, having an aha moment about, then please share that with us. Uh, but the first uh, statement is, I regularly feel like I should be more or should be doing more. I get stressed when something isn't done right. I am my own worst critic. I think everybody is, but some of us take it to an extreme. <laughs> I consider something perfect when I have multiple people's approval. I overthink simple tasks. Receiving praise makes me uncomfortable. I get easily distracted the more difficult something gets. You look for things to do because you don't want to tackle that. Uh, it's hard for me to accept compliments. 
I constantly second guess myself. I hate the idea of screwing things up. And there's, a, there's another page actually to this, Mariella. Before we go to the next page, the chat uh -huh. box is blowing up. So is it blowing up? My, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just filled the <laughs> You feeling yeah. me? Yes. Angela, don't know. So Angela wrote, I feel like I just failed this test. LOL. Uh, Devney wrote, yes, own worst critic. I definitely feel like I should be doing more. Christy wrote here. Um, I've got six out of 10, 100% for Nicole. I've checked off every box. I can relate to some of this. So many points. Okay, let's move on to the next page and let's uh, continue dropping your, your feedback in the chat, everyone. I love this. This is great. Uh, good enough is not okay. I am not happy unless it's perfect. When I've made a mistake, I think about it for some time afterward. I constantly compare myself to others. I worry more about getting something done right than actually getting it done. New methodologies really cause me stress until I figure them out. I am harder on myself than my friends. It's not progress unless it's way better than what I did before. I prefer to have others' approval before I consider something acceptable. It's okay for other people to make mistakes, but I should do better. And lastly, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect. Ooh. Okay, so this is going to be therapy, I feel. Like the, next, <laughs> the next hour and everyone is like, yes, let me know how I can like, not have all of these boxes checked. Yeah. Um, great. Okay. So let's, let's, well, I'd like I'm to just, say like, just for the record, if it's any constellation, I've checked all of these boxes <laughs> multiple times over. And, you know, I'm still, I, there's still things on here that I'm working on that I'm working through. You know, I may have written the book, but I'm not coming at this as the, the expert and I've, I've figured it all out. Like this is a practice, right? That's why they call it yoga practice, not yoga perfection. Because every time you do it, you're going to work on yourself to, to get better each time. Mm -hmm. and, and these are all things that um, obviously so many people relate to. And I'm, I'm speaking from the heart and from my experiences. Uh, but there are ways to, to, to cancel some of this out. Beautiful. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to this next uh, slide here. And I'd love everybody to take a screenshot of this. Um, usually when I, I give a, a official presentation, when I speak at a corporation or to a, an, or, an organization or group, I, I have people print this. And, but you can, you can go through this. You can, I don't know if you can like download it and, and then write on it. Um, but quickly, the basics are what I refer to in the book as the methodology and the principles for choosing happiness over perfection. How do you get to happy from trying to be perfect? And I would like to also say that, you know, you can be perfect or you can be happy. You know, I know the title makes it seem like there's a choice in this, <laughs> but the reality is there is no such thing as perfection, which is, makes it even more uh, critical that we understand striving for perfection um, is really only doing us harm but we can choose happy. Happiness is a choice. It may not be a constant, but it is a choice. I feel like this topic is just what we all need, especially now. I mean, and before, you know, the, this global pandemic. So thank you, Kara, for sharing your knowledge and also for being authentic and saying, you know, I've been through this and I'm here to help, you know, all of us figure out how to, you know, have these boxes a little more clear. <laughs> here. So with that said, um, you all have submitted some great questions offline. We are going to take your questions one by one. Um, and again, I see that some folks have already written to me anonymously. Some folks have already written in the chat box here. Um, we're going to take each question one by one. If you feel like maybe you have to hop off early and, and you don't see that we're getting to your question and you want to kind of take yourself off of mute and share your voice, feel free to do that. Or you can write to me privately. Um, I just want to say that everyone, you know, for, for, for showing up today in this hour, we're all across the world. So I'm just going to highlight some of the places where we're calling from. If you haven't written in the chat box, let us know. So we've got Houston, Buenos Aires. Uh, we've got Philadelphia, uh, the UK. We've got uh, Vancouver, Canada. We've got uh, just outside of Chicago, Boulder, Colorado, Kenya. Um, let's see, we've got Pennsylvania, Manhattan, New York, Chicago, Cleveland, Ohio, 
awesome. Let's see, I know some folks are writing Nigeria, Alabama, or Alaska. Awesome, yes. Thank you all for showing up. Um, You know, clearly this theme, it it hits home uh, no matter where we are in the world. So I just want to say thank you everyone for showing up today. Um, And I'm going to sound like a broken record. Please turn your your cameras on and and feel free to unmute yourselves to chime in uh, whenever you want. So let's take this first question here. How do you differentiate between motivation and aspiration and perfectionism? Sure. So I think of motivation as in there's something that we, you want to get done. Like it's more of a task, right? You're motivated to, to tackle something that you can put the, the, the check mark on, right? Um, where aspiration is almost a, like a state of being, right? You aspire to be a certain type of person or, or live a certain type of life. Um, aspiration to me is, is a bit deeper than motivation, where motivation in my world is, is more like a task right? You're motivated again to, to, ch- to complete something. And perfectionism is the idea, again, that um, whatever it is we are doing, we are doing it to the most excellent purport. Like there, there's, it can't be done any better. And once we achieve that, then we can rest on, you know, take a breath, rest, and be like that, I, I did it. Nothing can be improved upon. That is it. Um, and so you, the issue with perfectionism is that, and I think there's another question further down the line, but it's not even the idea of perfectionism, it's in the striving for it that we harm ourselves, that we do ourselves a disservice because we will always be looking to make something better and to make something be a, um, it's almost, it's unattainable in the sense that Nothing is ever going to be perfect, but we'll always have that in the back of our head. It will always be haunting us. So we, that makes us think that we're automatically failing at something or we're not accomplishing something. When striving for excellence, like that should be part of motivation. That should be part of aspiration, right? There's nothing wrong with putting your best foot forward and your best effort and, and making the, um, sometimes the sacrifices, taking the time, putting the energy in to making something great. Um, you know, this isn't about, you know, just resting on your laurels and saying, well, whatever, it's never going to be perfect anyway. So this is as good as it gets. No, you still put yourself into something and you strive for excellence, but understand that perfection is, is, is not real. It's not attainable. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, no worries. I love, I love how you are, are framing uh, the, the setup. And we also, I mean, of course, especially in the age of 2020, you know, we are, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and I see it with people that, you know, I work with some clients that maybe I have as an artist, you know, even like in the art world, there's so much pressure because the consumer, you know, this consumer is always right, puts a lot of pressure on, you know, what happens behind the scenes. And it's kind of like this give and take that I feel like we can all just be a little easier on ourselves, obviously with keeping our momentum going. Someone here has written me privately. I just want to flag this. Mm -hmm. Uh, What role does imposter syndrome play in perfectionism? I find that I'm always trying to prove that I'm good enough and qualified because I'm a woman of color in a white hetero male dominated field. Um, Well, I, I can relate on multiple levels as, you know, a, a black woman who has been in, many uh, circumstances where it was dominated by white men, comedy world, especially. But I will tell you this, our mindset is so powerful and where we are coming from. Like I, you know, and I, I credit my parents with this, but also having attended a women's college. You know, my parents taught me to be proud of who I was, you know, what my heritage is, our, our background, our family, our history. And going to a women's college really instilled in me that, you know, there was nothing that I couldn't do just because I was a woman had nothing to do with my capabilities or abilities. And so I, I really approach life that way. Like being black and being a woman in my mind is just the bonus. Like that's the icing on the cake, you know? Um, and so when I would go out for certain things, like, you know, as a comedian, I'm like, well, I'm a comic and I'm funny first and foremost, these other things are, are like, Again, they're the added ingredients to the mix that is me. I think we do ourselves an extreme disservice when we, we take a label that has been placed upon us and we live in that label based on other people's standards. 
if we know we are great, which we should all know, because if we weren't, we wouldn't exist, then why shouldn't what anybody else has to say or think about us dictate how we feel about ourselves or how we operate? Yes, I'm like, I'm like, can I get a, I'm like throwing digital confetti as you speak because especially now, I mean, it's important. I love that you're reminding us that we are great and that, and I love that you say that someone places a label on us because, you know, if we were living in a world outside of labels, you know, that's kind of where the real creativity happened. How would you identify yourself? How, what would you be more inclined to do or not and not, not limit yourself based on what societal pressures are putting on us? So um, I, I know that you've got a lot of strength if you're in the world of comedy, especially I used to, you know, I used to do my thing in Hollywood and it's hard. It's hard as a, as any other person that's not, you know, white hetero male in, in Hollywood. Uh, and, and we see that, uh, in a lot of industries as well. So, you know, keep, keep that coming as far as, uh, you know, any little tips and tricks that we can, you know, continue to persevere. Mm -hmm. I love that this is brought up because in my, so I, I feel like I have multiple facets to my life. Yes, I'm an author, I'm a mom, I do this, but I also speak to diversity and inclusion. And I am in the process of essentially flipping the switch on how we have that conversation because I don't think that it's been done well. I think people's intentions have been at, you know, good, but unfortunately the method that we've been addressing it by dividing people into further categories and either placing people as a victim or a villain, like that's not working. I don't know anybody who wants to be put in either of those categories. You know, first and foremost, we are human beings and we need to come to the table as that. Yes, is there such a thing as systematic racism and sexism and homophobia? Of course, those things exist. But if we can start to see each other as human beings and those things as surface issues, then we can start to come together and learn to speak and talk. So I actually coined the term inversity, which is a shifting the focus from what separates and divides us, still acknowledging the amazing, wonderful, unique attributes that we all bring to the table, our histories, our, 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 our personal attributes, right? Um, and honoring those, but shifting the focus from what separates and divides us to what do we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another? But most importantly, how can we be introspective? right? Meaning understanding your value, your worth, your connection to humanity. Because if you can see that in yourself, then you can see it in someone else. And that's really what this book is about. It's about finding that connection to yourself and to humanity. I love that. I often, one of my favorite uh, topics to bring into any conversation that I'm having, I love to bring uh, awareness of emotional intelligence to any conversation because I feel like we're so you know, we, we, we've lost sight to the power of our intuition and the power of, you know, uh, this, this natural intelligence that we have as human beings. And we, we let our, we are pretty mental uh, race, human race, right? We, 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 we draw these lines and we create all of this disturbance within ourselves. I love that you're turning inward um, and kind of reflecting on what, what power can I bring to the table? Um, and I know that we've got some folks who can resonate with that here. Um, someone here has written me, uh, oh, actually in the chat here, I agree with the prevalent categorization we put ourselves in. It has become very commonplace and it is not helping anyone. Yes. No. no. All right, so let's move on to the next question here. Again, if this was your question and you wanna hop off mute, feel free to join us. Can motivation and aspiration also have negative impacts on your life and how, where do you draw the line? I think it only has a negative impact when you let it consume you. I mean, truthfully, it, it, too much of anything can be bad, right? Too much water can actually kill you. And I don't mean drowning. I mean, actually consuming too much water, trying in an effort to be healthy. There are certain things that in moderation, you know, everything in moderation. And when it starts to consume you, and when I, I say consume you, I mean, it's the only thing you think about. It's, you know, your things will come to an end or cease to exist if you don't accomplish it. Then it's now detrimental. We should always have something that we aspire to um, because we're, we're alive, we're growing. We are growing living beings. You know, we see animals and plants that grow. We are part of that. And so our growth may stop physically, but mentally we always have that opportunity to expand and broaden our horizons. So what do you do in the case that you feel you're in a situation or a relationship, whether it be work relationship, friendship, community, and you feel like you're being stifled, um, you know, like growth is being stunted um, when you, when I, what, what you're echoing is 
that we have this natural ability to grow, um, you know, and, uh, and then we kind of either overwater ourselves or underwater ourselves based on outside situations. What if someone is feeling stifled and they feel like they are kind of, you know, either hitting, hitting the ceiling or what, what advice can you give them? That's a great question. Well, first of all, you have to own that you're there, right? And that you're there of your own doing because nobody else can control what is, how you're feeling, right? So you're feeling that way for a reason. So what, how did you get there? And what can you do to get out of it? And when I say this, what I mean is to put the onus on you, not in a scary way, but in a, an empowering way, because that means you're in charge of getting out of that situation. Um, you know, there have been many instances where I was in a, in a work environment that I should not have been in, and it felt awful. Um, not because necessarily the people as around, in some cases it was, they were not good people. They were very toxic, but I was responsible for being there. So I either had to make a change or shift how I was feeling about it. Um, and while it seemed really scary and intimidating, because it's like, well, what, what do I do next? And I, I think there's a, a question coming on, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, but the idea is, you know, do a head, heart, gut check is what I call it. When you think about it, does it like make you dizzy in your head? Does it, does it cause you a stress headache? Um, is there clarity or is there confusion? And your heart, do you feel a palpitation? Do you, does it give you a panic attack almost? And in your gut, does it make you nauseous? Like that's when you know you're in the right place or not. The head, heart, gut check. And as to get away from that is, is you know, putting pen to paper, honestly. What would relieve this situation for you, relieve this stress? What would the perfect, in quotes, because there's no thing as perfect, but perfect scenario be for you? You know what I mean? What would be ideal? What would make you not um, have, have, have agita, as we say in New York, <laughs> when thinking about this or, or dealing with this situation? And then figure out steps, little things that you can do, some little, some maybe even big, that would, would improve the situation because you have that. We all have that. We just doubt ourselves so much. And you know, one of the things I talk about is, is um, d uh, comfort be damned. That's one of the C's in the book. And we get comfortable really easy. And comfort isn't just like, oh, you know, snuggling with a nice warm fuzzy blanket in the winter in front of a fire with our favorite book. Comfort is being in a bad situation and just being used to it. And so used to it that anything outside of it is, is terrifying. So you settle. We weren't put on this planet to settle with people or with jobs or with ourselves. Yes, preach that. You can say that three more times. <laughs> Put a tattoo on your arm so you remember, everyone. We are not here to settle. I love that. Okay, let's move on to this next question here. Uh, so how do we view ourselves as not perfect? You view yourself as a human being. We're imperfect. We're fallible. We, we say the wrong thing sometimes. We do the wrong thing sometimes. Um, you know, my, my daughter just threw this back in my face the other day. She goes, mom says there are no mistakes. I said, well, I say it's only a mistake if you didn't get anything out of it. Because even if we've done something that, you know, we shouldn't have done or been with someone we shouldn't have been, like all of those things, they're, they're lessons, they're life lessons. We are constantly evolving. And there's no perfection in evolving, truly. I mean, it's, 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 it's a process, it's a learning, it's a practice. Again, um, I, I, I think we need to understand that we have been fed this line from, I don't know, sometimes it's from you know, people older than you growing up, uh, the media for sure, TV, magazines, now social media. You know, my husband and I joke and we call Facebook fake book and Instagram Insta scam. Because what you see is a snapshot, a blip of what someone else's view is through their little camera hole. You don't know that two feet next to them on this gorgeous beach with this gorgeous sunset is a dumpster fire, literally. <laughs> you know, we, we have no idea. We think the grass is always greener on the other side. I say the grass is greener when you water your own lawn. Okay? Wow. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm also, I, I'm totally with you a thousand percent, Kareth. I'm waiting 
on a new social media platform that is like more real. Like, I don't even know if that's possible because there's so much, you know, how you coined uh, Instascam and, and Facebook. <laughs> it's so but also, like, you know, it gives the, the person the power to, to, to curate, let's say, to, to show what they want people to see. And I think especially now, you know, that really brings us to like, okay, how can I be responsible with this? Right? Like, how can I be responsible with my camera lens instead of, you know, continuing to spread these myths about what beauty is or about what being a woman is or is not. Um, so I know that we've got some folks here who like that as well in the chat box. Um, Devne wrote, that's so great, break out of the comfort zone. Um, we have someone who also likes the, the fake book, Insta Scam. Um, Someone here says, I recently removed Facebook from my phone and only check it uh, from my PC once a week. Yes, I definitely, I mean, speaking about social distancing before social distancing physically started to happen with this COVID, for sure, social media, social distancing is, is, is a way to keep your sanity. Do you want to chime in on, on some of that? Like how social media uh, aids this idea of perfectionism and all of these things that really just kind of obscure our reality? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, to me, I think it's like the number one cause of anxiety and stress and depression right now. We think that, you know, other people have these perfect lives. These, these, you know, I, I love when I see, you know, posts of, you know, happy anniversary, you know, posts to people's husbands and spouses and wives and the love of my life who's, you know, my ride or die, my this. And, you know, three days ago, they were talking about getting a divorce. It's like, you know, come on, people, come on, let's real life here. Um, they'll post the picture from their wedding, which is, listen, I'm not saying don't do that. And I'm not out to shame anyone. Like, yes, celebrate it. Because, you know, if you've made it through, game on, good for you. But the reality is, there are definitely, and I'm gonna say don't post these things if this is true, and this is part of your life. Um, but when you're, the person seeing this and viewing this, don't mistake this one post for perfection in someone else's life and think that that's a reflection of yours. Yes. I always feel, I have a theory that um, I just, I would love, even I, I practice this on my own because I know that I'm a product, product of the system, but just like how we receive information and what we do with that, you know, instead of just saying, okay, this is word is bond because, you know, 10 people have posted the same kind of thing, which means this is what I should strive for. It's like, no, let, let me receive information from various sources. I mean, you can probably speak to this as, you know, being a journalist as well, you know, and then you sit with yourself, listen to what feels good, connect with your emotional intelligence, and then decide what's good for you, right? <laughs> I wish that was the world we live in right now, but uh, with cancel culture happening and with, you know, this instant gratification mode that we all seem to be in, uh, we, you know, it's called critical thinking, what you're saying. And um, I'm finding it happen uh, few and far in between. Uh, that's definitely something I, I strive for uh, with my, creating my own family um, and a message I try to take when I speak on college and university campuses. Uh, because everything isn't always as it appears. And I encourage people to, you know, watch more than one news channel, read more than one website, um, you know, absorb, like you said, absorb and process. Don't just, and that's, you know, why so many comics right now are struggling with doing comedy, especially on college campuses, because immediately people hear something and they get offended without processing it. They, they just like, oh, they hear a certain thing. Oh, well, it, and it's, they get triggered. And there is no need for that if you actually just listen to what the person was saying. Because truthfully, most comics, comics who are worth their, their salt, they are out there to, to spread, to speak the truth, but also to make fun of the things that are absurd, like the racism and the sexism and those things. And, and you can tell when something is maliciously intended. Like there's, we are smart enough beings to be able to, it detects tone and and but the problem is the intent is getting lost sometimes and that's where the critical thinking come in what was that person's intent why did they say that and again since we're not perfect we will say the wrong thing sometimes and that's when you have the further discussion to go deeper into where did that come from and why and that's how we engage with one another if we really are true about you know empowering ourselves to to be on this planet together to create inclusion true inclusion right and i have a i have another theory i feel like you know 
there is this like talking head side of like, yeah, we should say we want inclusion. We should say we want to be diverse because well, either one it's trending or we'll like get the red stamp of disapproval if we don't say it. Um, and this might be a little controversial to ask, but I'm going to ask it. Do you feel like people should just straight up be like, honestly, it's not for me. Like, you know, totally. yes. be real or go be home. real, be real. But then for the people who hear that, let them be, let them be. How does that affect you? Just like, you know, like my whole thing with like gay marriage, how does that affect my life? If people are happy and they're in love, let them be right. It's not taking anything away from me. And for someone to say, look, I'm a racist. I don't like, you know, this type of people. Okay. Well then you're not going to be part of my circle. You're entitled to that belief if that's who you really are. And guess what? It's your loss. You're going to miss out on some incredible people and experiences and opportunities. But if that's who you truly are, but what I found is most people who have these aversions to other people or other ideas, they, it, it's, everybody just wants to belong and feel like they're loved and, be worth, and that they're worthy and they want to be heard. And when you can hear other people actually get to share, they, 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 the, the walls break down. And, but in cancel culture, we don't have an opportunity for that to happen. You know, and being dismissive of people and getting into a fight on Facebook or Twitter, like where, where there's no space for that, for that connection. And that's what we all really desire is to be connected to one another. That's the worst yep. thing that about this, you know, coronavirus right now is that we've lost the, the physical in-person connection with one another. So we're having to make do at the moment. But I just always, I caution everyone to just think before you engage in, in a battle with somebody else online. Um, can we change every heart and mind? No, and it's not worth your energy every time either. But just remember, you know, everybody's coming from that place of wanting to belong and be loved and valued. Right, and to just go back to what you, what you started this chat on, you know, that's something that really makes, that shows that we are all human. You know, this want, this desire to belong. Uh, and then maybe you have some of these other nasty things that come up, whether it be, you know, on social media or people actually speak it. Uh, but it's, you know, if we, if we sit and listen, right, with emotional intelligence, we hear, oh, they're calling for help. And maybe I can't be the one to help you, but, you know, hopefully one day you can bow down to yourself, you know, and speak your truth um, with love. Um, someone here has written in the chat box, we should not let other, others' beliefs threaten our own identities. Absolutely. Game on. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next question here. We've got just a little under half an hour left, so I just want to invite That's everyone right. to fire. Yeah, yeah, keep uh, keep dropping in the chat box. Or, you know, if anyone wants to come off of mute, please feel free to do so as well. So I have trouble with uh, delegation because I know that if I perform a task versus someone else, it will be done correctly. Is that considered perfectionism? Simple answer: Yes, it is. My next book is going to be called, you can be, uh, you can be right or you can be married <laughs> because I actually have a, uh, there's a picture I used to, I use, and it's a picture of the bed that I make the way I make it with my pillows all, you know, lined up as, as they should be. And then there's a picture of my husband having made the bed. And what I realized is the more I, and I asked people to pick, you know, which is the correct way that a bed should be made. And uh, all the people who have the perfectionist tendencies, like, like in my way. But I, when I realized after, you know, basically kind of attacking him for not making the bed the right way, guess what? He stopped making the bed. Guess what that meant for me? More work on my end. So was I going to drop the need for it to be done exactly the way I needed it or for it to just be done? Guess what I did? You can do that too. Well, that's a great example to just make it all clear for us. I love that. I love that. Um, and I love that you, it, I mean, it seems like, I don't know if in this moment you were having fun, but it seems nice to experiment and then make your own conclusions together, right? Um, I think that we hold a lot of expectations and, and it kind of puts this weight on ourselves. And especially when you're dealing with a relationship, it's like, you know, you, you are reflecting that and it puts so much pressure and puts so much tension um, so I love that you were able to reflect in this case of something as simple uh, and as routine as making the bed uh, and then compromising essentially is what you did. You compromised to say, I don't want double work. I want to like accept you for the way you do things. And I want to also be able to use this other time. So I'm sure we can bring that into our work and, and personal lives as well. 
All right, so let's move on to this next question here. I get really anxious just thinking that I can make mistakes or that whatever I need to do might not be perfect. How can I overcome that? Again, it's about understanding that nobody around you is perfect either. And if it's really a mistake, if it's, it's usually it's something that you can correct, right? Nothing is in stone. The only thing that is in stone, literally and figuratively, are the letters on our tombstone. So as long as you're here on this planet, you can make it different. You can change, you can alter. Um, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves. And sometimes, you know, that comes from growing up, that comes from the bosses we have or the teachers or the expectations, especially if you've always been the good student or the good kid or the good person. Uh, and so you want to keep that up. You don't want to disappoint anyone. But the reality is, you know, you're in charge of, of that feeling of disappointment. No one else. So don't let anybody put that on you. And for sure, do not put that on yourself. And every time you say something negative to yourself, I think I read, I say five times that you need to say something positive to counteract that. Um, I, I, no, I know what it was. Every time you, you hear something negative, it takes 17 positive things from somebody else to do that. But internally, every time you say something negative to yourself, five times, counter it with something positive. Because our words are power. Our words are power. There's a, a guy, a, a quantum physicist named Emoto, uh, and, and Dr. Emoto, he's uh, from Japan, and he conducted an experiment with water from the Fuji Mountains, which I love, uh, this experiment. And he, he had variables and constants, and the constants were all the water in the glass jars. And the variables were on one side uh, with the water in the jars, he labeled them with positive words like gratitude, love peace, harmony. And on the other side, he labeled them with negative words and phrases like war, anger, I hate you, jealousy. And he froze these, 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 these vials. And then under a special microscope, he looked at what had formed. And the water that had the kind words and words of, of love and positivity looked like snowflakes underneath. And then the water that had the negative words and phrasing, it looked like a disease, like bacteria. Remember from science class? And here's the thing. This is what really struck me is, what are we mostly? Water. Water. Yes. Right? So if we're mm -hmm. saying this stuff, first of all, to other people, what is it doing to their cellular makeup? But more important, what is it doing to us when the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is look in the mirror and insult ourselves? Say things that we would never say to anybody else. What are you doing to yourself, to yourselves? Yeah, and I'll echo that first thing, roll out and, and look at social media, you know, and that, oof, that, that, that's doing, that's taking a toll. And I feel like, you know, it's a collective responsibility, you know, so as much as we're doing it for ourselves, we also have to realize that we're all connected. So you're doing it for everyone essentially as well. So if you're spitting out negativity and just like funking up the place, you know, it's not only going to hurt you, it's going to have its effect on the world. And so I love that image that you say, you know, you have to kind of do it five times more to get the positive. And, and also it brings such a rewarding experience, different people come into your lives, you know, you see things from a different perspective. Um, someone here wrote in the chat box, I wish I could turn off that feeling of disappointment. Um, what do you have to say about that? Just being able to uh, either sit with disappointment or, you know, not run away from it or how to dissolve it and transform it so that it doesn't consume uh, someone like Angela here wrote in the chat. Sure. Well, I think understanding that you did the best that you could and owning that, like, that's really, that's really what this is about. Owning that, you know, and again, this is it. You, you put your best foot forward, you put effort, you don't just, you know, slap something together and call it a day, you know, but it's understanding that there's nobody else out there who's, who's perfect either. We're in this humanity thing together, this imperfection thing is us, all of us. And that doesn't make it bad. And I love what you said, actually, Mariella, earlier about, um, you know, how we treat ourselves. How we treat ourselves dictates how other people treat us. And that's a lesson it took me a couple decades to learn. Okay, speaking of that, actually, because you, you, you mentioned, and, you, and I love that you did the air quotes, the good kid, the good student, the good blah, blah, blah. So, and you say that, you know, it takes, a, you know, it took you uh, almost a lifetime to, to recover that. How can we, 
you know, I'm speaking of like, not as, as we're raising our kids and nieces and nephews and the younger folks in our, in our community, but like as, as adults, how can we realize that, you know, we've, we've been set up in this kind of society that expects us to be the good kid or the good student and uh, and how can we just kind of shed that off um, and, and be uh, more uh, in tune with that and, and not, and be aware of that, be conscious of that essentially. Sure. Well, you know, the first step again is understanding that perfection is an illusion. You know, real life is, is stumbling. Real life is not having a good day all the time. You know, this, when I, and when I say, you know, you can be perfect, you can be happy and happiness is a choice. The caveat again, being, it's not a constant, but I, I always think of it as like, you know, an EKG, right? Watching that heart monitor. And what, re- what better representation is there of life? right? You got your highs, you got your lows, you come back up. Sometimes you go down a little bit, you go back up, you know, you're, you're, that's life. That's also happiness. Um, and we enjoy it when things are good. And when they're low, like we understand that that's okay. So we forget it's okay to just be sometimes, you know, here in America, um, we, I just saw, (laughs) I almost cursed. (laughs) I just saw stuff up for Halloween, 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 we aren't even into September. We rush into these holidays because we always have to have something to celebrate. That's such nonsense. Why can't we just be for just a little bit? Just be, there is such peace in just being that we have taken away from ourselves. And we think something's wrong if we're not in a good mood all the time or we're not always happy. And, you know, so then, oh, I got to get my Prozac. I got to get my this. Something's wrong with me. Bullshit. Nothing's wrong with you. It's okay to not want to get out of bed for a weekend. Three weeks, you should probably call someone, okay? But, you know, we're not supposed to be have a smile on all the time. That's not real life. And we have been duped into thinking that something's wrong with us if that's the case. Nothing is wrong with you. It's called being human. Yeah, the highs and the lows. I love that. Uh, we see that in nature. We see that in your only yeah. trouble is a straight line. Yeah, yep, yep. And we see that in nature. We, you know, that we have the seasons to show us. It's a natural cycle. You know, look at a beautiful tree. It's not. It's not going to complain that it's not budding and doesn't have flowers and leaves in winter. It's like this is natural. Actually, give me my quiet time. <laughs> uh, here, someone has written in the chat. It's similar to the Buddhist idea that it's okay to suffer. There's an opportunity in suffering and accepting that is happiness. You are no longer resisting. You are being. Thank you for dropping that in the chat box. Love that. Okay, so let's move on to the next question here. So what steps can you take to help move away from perfectionism? It feels like a big jump to just decide I'm no longer going to strive for perfection. Any advice for not beating yourself up over imperfections when they do come up? Absolutely. I literally, I mean, I detail in this book. That's what this is. It is a guide for this. Everything you're asking um, and the basics, you know, I'll go through them quickly. I mean, it's not all of them, but like the B stand for, you know, be kind, not just to other people, but to yourself. We, you know, that, that, there's a great book out there. It's been around for a while, a uh, worldwide bestseller. And there's a line in it that says, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> How many people are really loving themselves? Right? I mean, you gotta love yourself first. And that's hard because I don't know if we were really taught that, you know, fully, even from the people who love us the most. We have to learn that, you know, self-care is not selfish. And, and understanding that and embracing that is one of the ways that you can get past perfection. Um, you know, beating yourself up, how does that serve you? How does that help you? I mean, take an honest look at what it is that you get out of beating yourself up. Write the pros and the cons, seriously. I want everybody to do that. Because then you may have to actually physically see and do the act of writing down what you're getting from it. And that's when you can make the decision to be like, that's ridiculous. Why am I doing that to myself? I wouldn't take that from anybody else. Why would I do, why am I doing that for me, to me? That reminds me of, so I studied theater and film and then like several years after having had graduated, I got together with some of my, with some of my peers from college. Um, and a friend of mine who's in Atlanta now, she's still continuing uh, her acting journey. And she gave a great example of, it reminds me of what you're talking about. So 
I'm sure you're aware of this. And I'm sure now that everyone is like doing this virtual thing, we are aware of how we sound. And when you have to listen to yourself or see yourself, uh, you oftentimes it's like, whoa, I sound like that. Oh my gosh. Or, whoa. And she mentioned that in one of her acting classes, the teacher was like, I can't believe, like they had to record themselves and watch themselves, the whole class individually. And the teacher was like, you know, why are you saying this about yourself? Would you allow someone to say that to you? Would you say that to someone else? Like, oh, look at how she walked across. Look at how she walked. Look at why she say it like that. You know, we, we put all of this, uh, all of this pressure on ourselves, but would we say that to someone else or would we expect someone to say that to us? It's, it's kind of like this double-edged sword, you know, we do it to ourselves. Do you want to, I see you nodding your head. Do you want to talk oh, about yeah. that? Oh yeah. I mean, most of us would be appalled if somebody said that to us, like, what did I do to them? Why are they being so mean to me? And yet we do it to ourselves. It's so crazy, but we don't see it until somebody holds that mirror up, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I like to often, I know this, I mean, to actually sit with yourself, right? And to be with yourself, like turn off the noise, say, hey, I just need two minutes, you know, to sit with yourself and then to take an extra step and like look at myself in the mirror. Like, this is me. This is who I am, you know? Because, you know, I, it's like, I'm not just these hands that are moving around. Like, let me look into my eyes so that I can remember who I yeah. am in this yeah. seat. Am yeah. I flourishing? Am I healthy? Am I not? And just to get off of this, like, black mirror a little bit, right? I feel like we're all consumed. It's easy to roll out of bed and pick up the phone. Or it's easy to, like, forget that we are material. We are matter. And if we do harm to this, if we don't eat well, if we, you know, abuse ourselves with words, or if we don't go out and see someone when we need to... I know in the States, it's like this taboo thing, especially if you're a person of color, to speak with someone to get some, like, a different perspective, you know? Um, I live in Argentina, and people, it's it's very comfortable for people to show up late to something, and they say, oh, I was with my therapist, and nobody's like, are you okay? They're like, great, you know? That's awesome. So speak to friends and speak to, to, you know, professionals if you feel like you can't Absolutely. get out of bed for three weeks. Absolutely, and, that's, and there should be no shame in that. And I wasn't knocking the people who are on medication. It's the idea is to understand that, you know, sometimes these fixes, it, it's not external. It's changing our mindset. It's being able to create that shift internally by understanding what you bring to the table and that there really isn't, you know, anything wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. So let's move on to this next question here. So how do you know when perfection has become your enemy? When you are in a constant state, not constant, but even, you know, just questioning yourself, beating yourself up, I'm like feeling such a lack of confidence. That's when I knew that I was dealing with perfectionism. You know, the idea for the book came from something a friend of mine said after the birth of my first daughter, I was beating myself up. Um, she was very small and she was born. She wasn't latching properly. And, you know, I felt like it was something I should have seen as a, you know, mom, but I was a first time mom. There's no way I could have known that things weren't going the way they should. I didn't know any better, but I didn't stop me from beating myself up. And um, then I realized, you know, well, she said, listen, Kareth, you can be perfect. Or you can be happy. The choice is yours. And while the heavens should have opened up and a chorus of angels should have sung, it was just like, oh, what a great thing to say. Like, thanks for trying to make me feel better. You're a good friend. But that was that. But it always, those words were in the back of my head. You can be perfect or you can be happy. And I realized how much of my life I spent trying to be perfect, trying to be the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect student, the perfect intern, the perfect employee, the perfect girlfriend, right? But to what avail? To me living in fear that if I wasn't perfect, someone wouldn't love me anymore? To me undermining my own confidence and my own, my own security and, and worth? Me, you know, robbing myself of joy and happiness in the desired and, and, and striving to, for perfection, something that wasn't even real. That's when it becomes your enemy, when it's robbing you of stuff, like your confidence, like your joy, like your peace. Absolutely. That reminds me of another, uh, I love this study that you brought up um, with the, the, the water and the words on the water. Um, to see how it affects their, their the, the composition. Um, I, I often find that music 
helps bring me to a place of peace if I feel a little out of balance, right? Um, I see you smiling and nodding your head. Do you have any like go-tos for like, okay, this, this perfectionist thing has become my enemy. Let me do this. And this will guarantee like bring me to another energy level or bring me to a, another piece so that you can just kind of hop out of that and know that you're not, uh, that that is not uh, the, the bigger voice within Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many things we can do. I mean, one starts with the food that we take in, right? Cutting out and it's hard because I've done it and I'm now back to doing it, but cutting out sugar, caffeine and, um, and white flour products. Like that is hard to do if we, you know, that's some part of your normal diet. Um, but just putting more living things inside of you, literally, because we are what we eat, right? Um, taking time to go outside and just put your feet on the grass for 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes minimum. Um, I, you know, I like, I've, I've just started kind of getting into crystals and stones. Uh, I'm a huge fan of essential oils. I have been for a, almost a decade now. Um, find the oils that, that, you know, resonate with you. Uh, drinking water. Um, there's an exercise. I, I mentioned this in the book that my my doctor taught me. She's a nutritionist, and it's it's basically um, aligning our sympathetic and asympathetic um, nervous system because we get out of whack sometimes with stress. And what you do is you sit comfortably, cross your legs on the floor, take your hands, do this, interchange them, fold them in. And just put your head to your chin and just breathe calmly for like five minutes. And doing that is like the equivalent of almost an hour of meditation for five minutes. It's crazy. There's so many things that are out there that we can do. And you just, you know, you find what works best for you. But there's, there are ways to realign yourself and your, your, your soul, your spirit. I love that. And I find that to, you know, finding folks like nutritionists and people that, you know, often know about Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, they know like touch this, you know, this part of your body or and sit with it for a little bit. And it's, and it's coming back to that human essence, like what we naturally have that no one else can control or dictate it. It is our, our nervous system or, you know, the flow that is of energy that is happening within us. Um, and, you know, to kind of unplug from the, the, the busy life that is like the hustle, you know, and it's like expectations equal happiness. And then we realize that that's not really true. So I love that you're constantly bringing us back to like, get in touch with your body, get in touch with your natural essence, um, find things that awaken the senses. I love that. I love, you know, turn, putting on a candle and just like, letting that affect my mood so that I can lighten up. I love that you're giving these tips and tricks. So um, we've got just about five more minutes left, if you can believe. This is so, so I would This is I know. crazy. I know, so much great information. I just also wanna say, you know, that um, we are gonna send a rewatch email to everyone. We'll put some of these links uh, that uh, Kareth is mentioning also with her book and everything. So we have time for one more question and then I'll let you close with whatever you want to leave us with, food for thought, um, you know, let us know how to get in touch with you, but I would love to answer this, qu uh, this question before we uh, move on to that part. So when did you first realize this perfectionism was actually hindering you? Uh, I found recently that this thing, perfectionism, that I thought was the reason I was successful had turned into the thing that is hindering me most. Fear of not being perfect, fear of not meeting expectations, fear of failure. It really starts to wear on your self-confidence. Oh, absolutely. It will wear on your self-confidence until you realize that you cannot live in that space anymore. Um, and if you let it, it will destroy you. Um, you know, I, I think I shared when I had my aha moment was when it finally sunk in that you can be perfect, you can be happy. And I realized how, for how much of my life I was actually trying to go for this perfectionism thing and not failing because I was achieving a great d deal. I was successful by every, you know, account, but in that striving for success and still beating myself up because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't a millionaire by 40. I wasn't, you know, like there were things I was being, I was hurt, harming myself. Um, and, and I was, you know, obviously our lives are as individual as we are and they're not, we're never going to have the same life as someone else, nor should we. And so comparing yourself to someone else 
is one of the first places that you need to kind of set that aside and stop judging. Stop judging other people and stop judging yourself. I mean, there is nothing more harmful. You're entitled to your opinion. Opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one, right? And it's okay to have an opinion about something. But when you judge, you're saying that everybody should think exactly the same way you do. And you're thinking that your life should be exactly this way. And if it's not, something's wrong. There is no right or wrong in this. There just is. I know that sounds like very, like a Buddhist philosophy. And I wasn't expecting that to come out of my mouth. But that's the reality. You know, it's only wrong if it's hurting us. That's, that's where the wrong is lies. That we're, we're hurting ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and this, this fear, this living in fear, like we got to knock that out. Because that's just hindering us from getting to the next level. And again, this goes back to just being purposeful beings put on this planet. We would not exist, exist excuse me, if we didn't have a purpose. And I believe, you know, Wayne Dyer, I, I, I referenced him a few times in the book. He was one of my favorite speakers um, and authors. And he, he said that when we have ideas for something, it's seeds planted by God or source or universe, whatever you want to say. And if we weren't supposed to be doing those things that these ideas were, then we would have never even gotten them. Our job is to plant them, to fertilize them, to water them, to weed the garden. And we're not doing it alone. You know, there's a, I, I, I'm going to go over just a second, but there's another question on here that I know we're not going to be able to get to, but it was about someone who's in a job that they, they really are miserable in and they don't want to leave. And I, I was there. I was there twice. Once was at The View. And which was the dream job, right? I mean, right out of school, I you know, was in the journalism world initially. Who better to be my first boss than Barbara Walters? Are you kidding me? By the second year, it became a Devil Wears Prada. Like that movie, A Million Girls Would Kill for This Job. Why are you miserable? Because it wasn't fulfilling my soul. I was getting sick, physically sick. My blood pressure dropped. I gained like so much weight because I didn't, I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to be there. It was a vehicle and I learned how to produce. I learned how to write. And to this day, I have friends 20 years later who are still amazing friends. And the universe kicked me out on my butt with a steel toe boot. And you know what that did? That made me pursue comedy. It gave me the opportunity to do something that I really loved, but I was too scared to do. And there's a chapter in the book called Say Yes. Say yes and say no. And we have to say yes to the things that scare us but that we want, because here's the deal. When you say yes, something magical happens with those ideas that were planted to you, that were given to you, those seeds. People, the right people and the right materials and the right articles, the, all of the right things will come into your way if you're open to it. You just have to say yes first and take that leap of faith and believe, which is another chapter in the book, that you were supposed to be there. Um, you say no, when it's not gonna serve you anymore. You say no when it's going to take more effort and energy than you have time for. Saying no is creating a healthy boundary for yourself. Um, so you know, this, this idea of, of being scared of, of, of not being perfect, well, how are you scared of something that doesn't exist? Maybe think about it that way. I like that. Nice. Yes. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your personal journey. Someone here has written in the chat box. Uh, thanks for sharing your authentic self and for being so brave. Um, and I echo that as well. Thank you, Kareth. I'm definitely going to rewatch this myself and take some notes. I hope that you all will as well. Um, how can we find you? How can we support the beautiful work that you're doing? How can we start a book, a book club to kind of, you know, get off of social media? And I start love that. Life? Absolutely. So I, fortunately, there are not too many carrots in the world. Um, K-A-R-I-T-H is how I spell my name. Um, my website is actually carrots.com. My email is carrots at carrots.com. Um, I am getting ready to launch um, a really fun, cool um, coaching session, if you will. Uh, but really, it's more just like getting people, you know, in, the, in their groove, right? Um, the book is on Amazon, as I said. You can be perfect, you can be happy. I know it is available in the UK and Australia. Um, I will work to see that it gets out there in Africa and South America and Central America um, and Canada. 
I, I wasn't anticipating, like this was just, this was truly like, this was a giant note to self. I'm not even gonna lie. This was a note <laughs> to self. that I was like, I can't, I can't keep this inside anymore. I gotta get this out there. Cause I know there are other people who need to hear this too. And, but as his, you know, kind of a grassroots thing, it's blowing up, which is great, but it's also, you know, an indicator of how much people need this and that I wasn't alone in feeling this way. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm more than, I love to, I'm doing a couple book clubs and already started doing some where, you know, people get the book and, and we, we do a chat similar to this, but people get to share as well. But uh, I just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Mariella. Yes. Thank you so much, Carrot. So I'm going to be sure to follow you on social um, and I'm going to be sure to support this book and share it with uh, people who I think can benefit from it. So thank you everyone for joining this chat. We'll see you on the next one. And, you know, don't be afraid, be yourselves. You are beautiful the way that you are. We've heard it from Kara firsthand. So thank you everyone. Have a good day. Thank you.